Another state house calls for the term limits convention. Boom. Hi, I'm Philip Lamel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the term limits movement for the week of April 12th, 2021. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. This time, it's Tennessee. Last Thursday, in a bipartisan vote, the Tennessee House of Representatives voted 53 to 34 to officially apply for a national amendment writing convention limited to the subject of congressional term limits. If its state Senate follows suit, Tennessee will be the fifth state to make the call. That is, unless North Carolina or Georgia does it first. To help us handicap this race, let's turn to U.S. Term Limits Executive Director Nick Tombalides. Hey, Nick. So, Tennessee, that's new territory for us. Yes, it is. Tennessee has never passed the term limits convention before through either chamber, state house, or state senate, but they did it this week. It was the Tennessee state house that voted 53-46, passed the term limits convention. It is the fifth chamber we've passed this year. It's a record, actually. We've never passed that many chambers in one year. Um, And so we add it to the West Virginia House and Senate, North Carolina House and Georgia Senate. You know, it was a close vote, uh, but we got it. And now it's on to the Senate. Gosh, that's great. So we won the House. We have to get the Senate. When does the session end? It's a two-year session, uh, which means that um, if it doesn't get through the Senate this year, the House vote will carry over into next year, and you'll have all of next year's session to get the Senate done. But I think Excellent. it's going. I think it's going to end in early May. Uh, so we've got okay. about a month of time on our hands to to get this through the process. Okay, but if we if we don't succeed by then, the House victory will carry over to next year. So we have a whole extra year to get the Senate. That's exactly right. You don't lose the House that carries over because it's actually a single session that's broken up into two years. It's not two separate sessions. Right. Well, that's interesting. Now, to my understanding, that's the same situation we're in in Georgia, where we won the Senate and we're looking to pass the House, and also North Carolina, where we passed the House and we're looking to pass the North Carolina Senate. Both of those are also split session over two years. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Those are carryover states. So if we're not able to get a vote this year, I mean, obviously, our goal is to get a vote as soon as possible. And we're gonna be working as hard as we can to do that. But if we can't get the vote this year, we are going to be in a very advantageous position coming into the second part of the session next year. (laughs) Great. We had some superstar endorsers of this effort in Tennessee that helped us get across the finish line. We did. We actually got two op-eds, and the timing could not have been better. These op-eds, one of them dropped two days before uh, the vote. The other one dropped the day of the vote. And the authors were Mayor Glenn Jacobs uh, of Knox County, Tennessee, better known to most people as World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Famer Kane, one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, Also happens to be a great mayor in Knox County, and he published an op-ed for the term limits convention. That was two days before the vote. And then the day of the vote, we got some uh, reinforcements from Congressman Tim Burchett of Tennessee published an op-ed as well. So we've got, yeah, we've got some real blue ribbon supporters out there. That's great. So Representative Burchett is basically asking the state legislature of Tennessee to term limit him. 
Correct. Yes. And uh, he, he noted that in his article. He said, look, you know, I'm, he said, I'm in Congress. I'm trying to get term limits here. It ain't going to happen, folks. The states, are, it's the only way to do it. Tennessee needs to step up. Uh, Tennessee and the other 49 states need to get into the driver's seat because this car is not going to move forward with Congress. So how did we decide to target Tennessee if we've never really had any serious inroads there before? Uh, well, it's a good question. Tennessee has some history with uh, the Article 5 convention, although not for term limits. Um, they have previously adopted a resolution for a balanced budget amendment. We had been there with a bill a couple years ago, but there was different leadership then. Uh, there was not a lot of support. They've since had a lot of turnover. I think maybe 25-30% of the legislature has turned over in the last two years. And so what you see is a lot of new voices, a lot of fresh faces, new perspectives. People like our sponsor, Chris Todd, um, the sponsor of the Term Limits Convention in the House, he wasn't around last time around. So we didn't really have these champions last time around who were stepping up um, and going to bat for this. Now we do. That's been a tremendous difference. And then you couple it with the overall support for term limits in Tennessee, which is stratospheric. It's over... 80 percent. It's completely bipartisan. In fact, this vote was bipartisan. We had um, we had a couple of Democrats who supported it as well, in addition to the Republicans in the majority. Very good. All right. Well, then here I got a uh, <clears throat> I got a tough one for you. Um, we passed West Virginia, the entire state this year. Now we have four states that officially have called for the Tournament's Convention. Um, we have three states this year that have passed half. Um, Georgia, North Carolina and Tennessee. And all three of these states were looking for the second House to uh, approve the measure. Yeah. Which will come first, Georgia, North Carolina, or Tennessee? That's <laughs> a great question. Um, <laughs> I would never be someone who would BS our audience, so I'm just going to tell you the speaker in Georgia is a foe of term limits. Okay. He doesn't right, like so that's it. Make it tough there. And so yeah, that knocks Georgia down the list. At least you know next year's next year's an election year. He may change his mind because he may need to pander for votes or something. But I think it's going to be a photo finish between North Carolina and Tennessee. I feel like we have strong numbers in both Senates. If we got to the floor right now, I think we would probably pass. But the challenge is actually getting there, getting through the process because. In order to get to the floor of the Senate in either North Carolina or Tennessee, you have to go through a committee. In North Carolina, it's the rules. In Tennessee, right now, it's the Finance Committee, but we could be assigned somewhere else because this bill is jumping over from the House as we speak. And depending on the makeup of that committee, that will determine what our chances are of getting it done this year. And so we'll probably have an update on that next week. Uh, We're cautiously optimistic, but we'll see what happens. In North Carolina, I understand we have the full support, active support of the House Speaker who helped shepherd the resolution through his chamber, um, but he's still talking about the bill. Do you think his influence carries over to the Senate in that state? I do. I do. Um, The Speaker in North Carolina, he's one of the most proactive uh, lawmakers on the Term Limits Convention that I've ever seen. I mean, he has been such a superstar. He has appeared in committee. He's done things that speakers don't typically do. He's appeared in committee to testify for it. When he was presiding over it on the floor right before the vote in North Carolina, he left the dais, the speaker's dais, went back to his desk 
and spoke on its behalf. Um, it's just doing all kinds of unprecedented things, going around the state talking about the importance of term limits. He's got so much conviction, Tim Moore. He's a, he's a true believer in this, and he's, he's a really good guy. And mm-hmm. I, I think he can do a lot to influence the Senate, but he can only do so much. The Senate might come back and say, yeah, Tim, we'll give you this if you do something else for us. And I don't think he'd be willing to cross a line like that because he's like he's not that type of person. So I think this has to come from the grassroots uh, if we're going to be successful in North Carolina. People in North Carolina need to contact their state senators. The speaker has done a lot of heavy lifting, but now it's time that he passes the torch to the people and they finish the job. Okay, citizens in Georgia, North Carolina, and Tennessee, go to termlimits.com slash take action. Hello, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. There are two ways that we can put term limits on Congress. First, Congress can refer a term limits amendment to the states. The Congressional Term Limits Resolution is HJR 12, and we currently have 62 co-sponsors. The Senate version is SJR 3 and we currently have 13 co-sponsors. The second way to put a term limits amendment into the Constitution requires states passing resolutions asking for the term limits amendment, and we are pursuing both routes. We ask candidates for state legislature to sign a pledge to help us term limit Congress, and that pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. About 75 special elections for state legislature take place each year. Special elections have already been called in 16 states for 33 different state legislative seats. Over 130 candidates have signed up to run for these races, and we have received pledges from over 40 of those candidates. Ballotpedia is a great place to find new election information, but we need help contacting those candidates. If you are able to help, please email me, Scott Tillman, at stillman at termlimits.com. That's S-T-I-L-L-M-A-N at termlimits.com. Presidential term limits. The 22nd Amendment. We know it's very popular. And it's the ultimate proof that term limits work. Because anytime some nut job suggests getting rid of presidential term limits, the whole country rises up in unison and says, get the heck out of here. You're you're crazy. Why would we ever do that? Right. (laughs) Right. Even members of Congress who hate term limits for themselves seem to love presidential term limits. But the amendment is shrouded in some mystery. We don't know exactly how it came about. All we know was FDR's four terms were a contributing factor. So, Phil, you recently read a book. Um, Mm -hmm. new book. It's called The 22nd Amendment and the Limits of Presidential Tenure by Martin Gold. What did you learn about this topic? I tell you what, this is, to my knowledge, this is the best treatment of the subject that's out there. And it helps that it's brand new. It came out in 2020. It's a, you know, it's a serious book. There's no polemic. It's basically written for, for specialists. It's written for libraries. It's written for historians. Um, But I tell you what, in reading it, I learned so much about the specifics of the 22nd Amendment and presidential tournaments that I didn't know, but also it had a lot of insights uh, about our effort to tournament the U.S. Congress as well. I think the three things that jump out at me about this book, and I think we ought to go over each of these, is that, one, 
term limits are a founding American principle. I mean, they were there from day one, right? Second, it's always been bipartisan, always. And then also, <laughs> anti-tournament politicians have always played the same games to try to get around them. They'll try to pretend they're for them when they are against them, etc., and, and uh, try all kinds of tricks and shenanigans. Let me jump in real quick and uh, sure. I just ask if you could elaborate on that. You said term limits are a founding principle of uh, yep. American democracy. And my question is, the amendment was done in 1951. How is it a founding principle? Um, what, what do you mean by that? Well, the argument over term limits, specifically for the president, but not only for the president, basically that argument came up in the Constitutional Convention of 1787 when they drafted the U.S. Constitution. And not only that, but there was no subject that the Constitution spent more time on than the length of the presidential term and then how many terms that the president should be able to serve. So it was that central. And when the Constitutional Convention was called – it was called by the state of Virginia, which had uh, ambitions to rewrite the Articles of Confederation, as we know, because there was an earlier convention in Maryland. And Virginia was ready with sort of a blueprint for a replacement for the Articles of Confederation. They called it the Virginia Plan. So this was the very first model of a replacement of the Articles of Confederation. And part of it was term limits on the president. In fact, a single term. Uh, the Virginia plan didn't specify how long that term should be, but they said that it was very important that they limited the term of the chief executive. So it goes back all the way to the beginning of the writing of the Constitution, the founding fathers arguing over this idea. I didn't know exactly how how long it was debated at the Philadelphia Convention. Um, I do know that Thomas Jefferson, who wasn't there, he was an envoy in France at the time, but he wrote a letter around the time of the convention that said, after he'd read the Constitution, he said, the feature that I greatly dislike in the Constitution is the abandonment of rotation in office, a.k.a. the abandonment of, of term limits. In fact, they had been omitted from the Constitution. So that's very interesting. Yeah. You know, we've got your book yeah. review up on termlimits.com, by the way, on our front page for anyone who's oh, interested in, in reading it. And um, one thing you have on here is, I'm looking at it now, politicians who oppose term limits— who oppose presidential term limits, offer alternative term limit arrangements in order to divide support. In other words, yes. divide and conquer. <laughs> and we see that all the time in Congress, right? We A member sure who opposes term limits, like my congressman, Bill Posey, mm -hmm. he will offer an alternative term limits bill with no support, no chance of, of getting anywhere, in order to protect himself politically and amputate the real term limits movement, which is us. But you, you seem to suggest that happened with presidential term limits also. Yes, we saw this in the debates over the 22nd Amendment. So this was in the late 40s. And uh, you know this was a popular idea. The country was behind it, and everybody knew it. And so we had the situation where politicians didn't want to come out directly against it. And so one of the arguments that was thrown out there during the debates was, well— you know, there's been a debate during our history about whether we should have two terms for the president or just one longer term. Maybe it's a better idea to totally switch gears and instead of codify the two-term tradition set by George Washington, instead maybe we ought to move into something new and have a single term, blah, blah, blah. Well, that sounds nice, and that's a reasonable argument to have. It sounds plausible on the surface, and you can make some arguments for that single term. But that's not why they introduced it. The people that introduced it during the debate 
were because they wanted to shoot down, to divide and conquer, to shoot down support for codifying the two-term tradition, right? They just wanted to have the votes split. They didn't mean it. In fact, the guy, the person that actually introduced it in the House was an opponent of turn limits. He opposed turn limits before the debate. He opposed turn limits after the debate. But during the debate, he thought, hey, maybe we ought to talk about a a one-term president. I mean, this guy, uh, Representative Seller, he's the guy that did this. He's the one that really made this jump out at me. But we've seen this kind of trick from so many politicians saying, I love turn limits. We got to do it. But 12 years, we got to go for 12 years. He was a pioneer in the field of sleazebaggery, and uh, we, we see many <laughs> right. people in Congress walking on that trail that he blazed. <laughs> no kidding. The movement for this was strong enough that the initial hearings on the amendment was held while the Democrats still held power um, in 1945, before the Republicans even took over. Once Republicans took over, and in a massive victory in 1946, partially fueled by support for presidential tournaments, um, that's when the, the machinery really started turning and, and it became inevitable that this was going to occur. So, Phil, w- when presidential term limits were developed, was it a Republican issue or a Democratic issue? Okay, key point, key point. I just mentioned that the um, Republicans taking power made it inevitable that this would eventually occur because they had jumped on that bandwagon as FDR, a Democrat, broke the two-term tradition. But it went back and forth from the beginning. It's really always been a bipartisan idea. In fact, in the earlier years of this nation, it was the Democrats who really, really uh, supported the idea and kept bringing it to the fore. The first two challenges to presidential tournaments were by President Grant, a Republican, and President uh, Teddy Roosevelt, a Republican. Both of them had reached their two terms, and they were flirting with the idea of a third They know that the tradition was very strong and important to people. They didn't want to come right out, and they sort of allowed themselves to – allowed people to think that they might run again, or they could be persuaded if there was – if they were drafted at a convention, if there was a a public acclaim that made them feel like, oh, I have to serve the people. I have to do it a third term. Typical politician behavior. But when they started playing these games, there was a backlash, and the backlash, of course, was from, uh, from Democrats as the Republicans tried to skirt the tradition. And so several different actions were taken by uh, Democrats. They added a pro-termless plank to their platform. Um, on two occasions, there were resolutions passed, um, just basically sense of the Senate and sense of the House resolutions passed saying, wait a minute, we have a two-term tradition, and um, this should be respected. And so we really saw the Democrats step up and defend tournaments when need be. When FDR decided that he was going to break the tradition. He used the war as a pretext um, and successfully did that. And a lot of Democrats came to his support. And that's when we really saw this turn occur. The people always supported turn limits. But for political reasons, we saw the Republicans jump on this. There's always been support in the Republican Party for this too and made it a promise. And when they took power again, um, they made sure they got the job done. So this is a bipartisan tradition. There's no question about it. The book is... The 22nd Amendment and the Limits of Presidential Tenure by Martin Gold, and your review is up right now at termlimits.com. This is a public service announcement. In an Associated Press story airing on ABC Channel 7 in Los Angeles, we are told of yet another indispensable politician scheming, successfully in this case, to skirt his term limit and remain in power. Well, what could citizens do without the experience of their long-term representative, 
Vladimir Putin. Russian President Vladimir Putin has signed a law that could keep him in power for another 15 years. It allows him to run for president two more times. Putin is already on his fourth term, holding office longer than any other Kremlin leader since Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin. The change was part of a package of constitutional amendments approved in the election last July. The opposition criticized the vote, saying it was tarnished by reports of pressure on voters and a lack of transparency. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. The Turn Limits Convention bills are moving through the state legislatures. This could be a breakthrough year for the Turn Limits movement. To check on the status of the Turn Limits Convention resolution in your state, go to turnlimits.com slash take action. There, you will see if it has been introduced and where it stands in the committee process on its way to the floor vote. If there's action to take, you'll see a take action button by your state. Click it. This will give you the opportunity to send a message to the most relevant legislators, urging them to support the legislation. They have to know you're watching. That's turnlimits.com slash take action. If your state has already passed the Turn Limits Convention resolution, or the bill's not been introduced in your state, you can still help. Please consider making a contribution to U.S. term limits. It is our aim to hit the reset button on the U.S. Congress, and you can help. Go to termlimits.com slash donate termlimits.com slash donate. Thanks. We'll be back next week. Contact your state lawmakers before they vote on term limits for Congress. Go to termlimits.com slash take action. STL. Yeah.